today. So we are going to start a new sermon series, um, Common Questions We All Need Handles To. This is something that we will need handles along the journey of life. Okay, so kicking start today is the first of it. It is uh, titled, Where Are You, God? Let's look to God in prayer. Lord, we look to you today. Would you come and reveal your word to us? Holy Spirit, come and instruct us. Come and lead us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A writer from Christianity Today shared this, that he had become his nightly routine to sit in the room while his two young boys fell asleep. So he would sit in the room for about 15 minutes and then he would leave the room when they fall asleep. Um, and he, also, he, he was also in a season of teaching them how to pray. So he told his son, he told his sons that if you are in trouble, if you need help, you can call on God. You can pray to God. You can call on Jesus. So one night as he was leaving the room, his older boy said to him, uh, his older boy had not fallen asleep yet. So he said to him, Daddy, I've been getting nightmares and bad dreams and I've been praying to God to take them away. But he doesn't. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? How would you answer him? How would you answer this young boy with no big theological jargons, how you answer him? Why does God not answer his simple prayers? Have you ever felt like the young boy? Have you ever asked that same question yourself? Now, I'd like you to take a moment now to think through. Has there been a time in your life where you prayed for something, there was something that you wanted, but then there wasn't any answer? No answer. You pray, you ask God for something, but it didn't happen. Maybe it was a job that you really wanted. Maybe it was a relationship that you were hoping to get. Maybe it was a healing that didn't happen. So you have that in your mind right now? I'm sure all of us have encountered that sometime in our life, right? How did you, how did you reconcile that? How did you settle that in your heart? When God didn't answer your prayer, how did you settle that? What did you say to yourself? So, story was told of a girl whose fiancé was killed as a pilot. And she said this, I went to church every day to pray. I prayed every night and almost every waking hour, but yet he was killed. I shall never pray again and I shall never enter a church. Do you struggle with the same thing? How do we settle unanswered prayers in our hearts? At times when we cry out, where are you, God? How do we settle this? So for today, um, this is our flow, our roadmap for today, right? So we're going to answer the, 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 the question, what do we do? What to do? When God is silent, when there's no answer for your prayers, what do you do? So there are three things, okay? So we'll plow through these three things. We're going to look at the passage, John 11, the resurrection of Lazarus, right? So we're going to look at this passage, a very familiar passage, uh, but today I want us to look at it from the perspective of Martha and Mary. Look at it from their perspective. Okay, so let's go into point number one. John 11, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they made sure that the Lord knew which Lazarus. It's not, it's not this Lazarus, that Lazarus. It's this Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. They had a relationship. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And see, the Bible makes it very clear that he loves them. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Our first point for today is seek God's wisdom in his word. Okay, so here we have a situation where here we have a situation where a certain man was sick, okay? Lazarus was ill. And Mary and Martha are sending word to Jesus for help. They're saying, Jesus, our brother is sick, very sick. Can you please come and heal him? And so they are waiting. So look from the position of Mary and Martha, right? They are waiting and they are waiting, but there's no sign from the Lord. Now, when we read this passage, it makes sense to us because we have the overview. We know what is happening, right? It makes sense to us because why Jesus said, stayed two more days. He explained why he said two more days, but this explanation was not given to Mary or to Martha. They don't know. Can you imagine how they must have felt at the point of time? What was going on through their minds? These two sisters had no clue. And how we know they had no clue? Because later on they said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. If you were here, my brother would not have died. It shows that they have no clue why he didn't come. So as the readers for today, we can see the reason because we have an overview. We know because we can read the Bible that was intentional on the part of our Lord not to go, but not so with Mary and Martha. They didn't know. To them, they simply cried to Jesus and he didn't come. To them, he didn't answer. Didn't answer. Have you ever prayed and it seemed like the Lord decided to just remain silent on you? Have you ever encountered that before? What to do when that happens? Our first point, seek the Lord on the issue. Just because there is no answer, let's not assume that the Lord is not interested or it is not His will. We should not do that, all right? Because He may have His reasons, as we can see from here, although there was no answer given, but there is a reason. There's a reason for His delay. And so we should seek Him when there is no reply. James 1.5, okay, that's, that's the one right below. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. You see, this is, is an encouragement for us that if we need wisdom, and this word wisdom can also be translated as insight. If we need this wisdom, we need this insight, we can go to him and ask him and ask God. You see, this, this James 1.5 is set in the context of trials. Look at verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When you are experiencing testing, 
And in that testing, in that trial, sometimes we need that wisdom. And we ask God, and He says, if you like it, ask Him. If you like it, ask Him. Now, the wisdom that He gives to us may not be the answer or the answer that we want. It may not be the answer that we want, but He will give us an insight. He'll give us a perspective to bring us through that season. And sometimes, He may reveal that there is actually a blockage because we know that, okay, I'm not saying that every time there is an unanswered prayer is due to a blockage. Now, it may be, it may be not. But there are specific instances mentioned in the Bible through Scripture on where there are clear blockages in our prayers. So I'm going to go through uh, seven things that hinder our prayers. Now, this list is not exhaustive, okay? But these are clear scriptures, clear references about why, about situations where our prayers are blocked. Okay, so let's go through one by one. First one, doubt. This uh, comes from James 1.6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he receive anything from the Lord. So, could it be an issue of doubt as we seek the Lord? Could it be an issue that we have no faith? We are doubting and therefore, the prayer is not answered. Or, Maybe it's to do with bad relationships with our spouse. Maybe it's a bad relationship with your spouse. Maybe, maybe it is to do with that because 1 Peter 3, 7 says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman and show her honour as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Our relationship at home hinders our prayer lives. It hinges on that. There is a correlation, so we need to watch our conduct at home. The way we treat our wives. Maybe this is a reason. Number three, impure motives. James 4 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we recall the incident. Uh, we know that the Lord Jesus has said that when two or three gather, you know, uh, I, and agree upon anything, it'll be done by my Father, right? So, so we know that when there's agreement between two or three believers, two or three people, the Lord answers accordingly. But over here, uh, do you remember the, the, the time where James and John wanted to call down lightning upon those who uh, didn't treat them so well? The Lord didn't answer didn't answer them. There was 2% in agreement, but, they didn't, but the Lord didn't answer because it was for a wrong motive. So this also could be a reason. Wrong motives. Next, number four. Ignoring and mistreating the poor. So this is the fourth thing. Uh, Proverbs 21, 13 says, whoever closes his ear to, to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. So, if we are not interested in the needs of the poor, if we are looking to ourselves all the time and we withhold blessings from the poor, we will not have our prayers heard. I'm not saying that you need to help every single poor person in the world. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that sometimes when the situation presents itself and we choose to close our eyes, turn a deaf ear towards someone who is in need, that could be an issue. That could be a problem. Okay? Next thing that hinders our prayers Number five, praying to impress people. When you pray, 
you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. That's all they're going to get. They're getting nothing else. They have their reward in full. So we got to watch our public press. Our public press should not be to impress people, but it should be our sincere heart. The next one. Disobedience. Psalms 66, 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Very clear. He who turns his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So, as we seek him, as we look to him for something, are we doing that while living in sin? Are you seeking God for something while living in sin. If so, that could be the problem. Next, number seven, lack of reconciliation or forgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five. whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. The Lord wants us to forgive. He wants us to men be quick to reconcile. Remember the verse uh, also says that if you have an offering to the Lord, you remember that someone is unhappy with you, offended a brother, you need to leave offering, go reconcile your brother first because this is what is on the Lord's heart. He wants us to reconcile. He wants us to forgive. So these are seven areas that could hinder our prayers. Now, I'm not saying that this is a checklist and then we look through this and oh, it has to be one of these areas. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that sometimes when we have no answer to our prayers and the Lord is silent, seek Him. And in that seeking Him, He may place His finger on one of these areas because I'm not saying that we have to be totally sin-free, sinless, live a perfect life before the Lord will answer any prayer. That's not the case. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, so seek the Lord. If you don't have an answer, if the Lord remains silent, seek the Lord, allow Him to direct you because there could be a blockage. Now, I'm not saying there is, but I'm saying that there could be. Okay, I'm going to share with you two testimonies. There was a case where a lady had many failed attempts in trying to conceive, despite having seen many doctors and trying out different programs. Now, in the course of this, her husband then remembered and confessed that he had sent his, his past, his ex-girlfriends for abortion. And so he prayed for repentance. He prayed, he repented. And within three months, within three months, his wife got pregnant. Today, they have three children. Next, next example. There was a, a man, a case of a man, who had problems breaking free from drug addiction. But it was later found out that his father was involved in smuggling drugs in the past. And so he prayed and repented on behalf of his sins and his father's sins and his ancestors' sins. And from that day on, he was able to break free from his drug addiction. So we do see that there are times, there are times, it's not always the case, but there are times where sin really is the barrier. And so seek the Lord. Seek Him. Ask Him to reveal is it a barrier? Is there a barrier in my life that's blocking this? Okay? Now, as you do that, as you do that, okay, so the first thing you do is what to do when God is silent, you seek Him in this area and allow Him to put His finger, right? But sometimes there is no answer. 
So what do we do? That's why we continue on um, to point number two, confide in God and his people. Let's continue reading John 11. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So Jesus waited two days and then he, he left and he came. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, this is a very key verse, okay? When he heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed in, at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. So we have a situation here where the two sisters, they send word to Jesus and they receive no reply from Jesus. Their brother is deathly ill and, his, and their brother died. And now it's four days into the funeral, four days into the burial and Jesus shows up. And he shows up. They've been calling to Jesus for help. He didn't come. And after their brother died for four days, he shows up. And then we have two very different responses. From Martha, she goes to him. Right? She goes to him. She hears he's coming, she goes to him. But Mary decides to wait at home, to stay at home. Two very human responses. So let's look at Martha's response. Now I'm sure Martha had all kinds of questions in her mind, right? Saying like, why didn't you arrive sooner? Do you not care for us? Are you too busy with ministry? But in her pain, in her grief, she went to Jesus nonetheless. In her pain, in her confusion, in her disappointment, she went to Jesus nonetheless. And sometimes in our pain, even when there's no answer, even when there's deep disappointment, we should still, like what Martha did, go to God to pour out our heart to him, to confide in him, just like what Martha did. The Bible has many verses expressing that, okay? So we need to confide in God and his people. We need to be like what she did, go to God, go to God, all right? Now, uh, let's read Psalms, uh, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long? God, why? You can be real with him. Psalms 88, 18. Now this is the last verse of Psalms 88. Okay, so it ends this way. This is the ending of Psalms 88. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Telling God that, okay? Darkness is my closest friend. Psalms 88 ends with no hope. 
No looking to God that He's our Saviour, we look to Him, we lift up our head. No. In fact, it says right here at the end that darkness has become my only companion, my only friend, basically telling God that darkness is a better friend than you are. So why does God put such verses in the Bible? Why does He do that? I mean, the Bible is about Him, right? About getting to know Him more. So why does He put such verses in the Bible? To show us that He cannot be counted on? No, of course not. I believe that God knows the human response in times of deep pain. And He invites us in these deep times to go to Him to express our inner hurts, our inner language, to express to Him, to pour out to Him, to bear our hearts to Him. It is tough to go to God when you're in pain, and especially so if you are disappointed with God for not showing up. And some of you here may have experienced that disappointment with Him, and in the process of experiencing that disappointment, you have shut Him out of your heart. You have stopped reading His Word, you have stopped going Him to prayer, and especially prayer on that subject, and you have stopped worshipping Him. You've shut yourself to Him. Don't do that. Don't do that. Understand it's tough, but don't do that. I want to share with you something that happened to my life many years ago. Now, when my wife and I first got married, she made it very clear to me that she loved kids and she wanted kids, okay? So she told me that, that she wants kids and I didn't think much of it because we just got married. So I didn't think much of it. It's only two years after that then we started to get serious and say, okay, let's, let's, let's try to have kids. So we tried. And month happened, after month, after month, but nothing happened. There was no sign of pregnancy. So we tried and our months became years and of course we went to seek medical assistance for that. Now when you're trying for a child, and it's unsuccessful. You know you're reminded every month. In a month, there's four weeks. You're reminded every month. You're reminded in the, in, in the first week that you are disappointed and then you have two weeks to go through that disappointment and you pick yourself up and then you try again and the next month you're reminded again and it goes up and down, up and down and this went on for years because my months became years. We went through a season of trying on our own. It didn't work out. So we tried TCM it didn't work out. We went to IVF for a whole season, went through the whole works. It didn't work out. It was a real heartbreak. A real, real heartbreak. And each month, we go through that roller coaster of emotions. So we came to the end of the journey with IVF, uh, and this was already 10 years. This was already 10 years of trying, and we said, okay, that's it, no more. And after that, my wife became pregnant. Oh, she became pregnant after 10 years, and we stopped all that, and she became pregnant. However, we lost the baby at the eight week. So you see, we've been, we've been through this whole journey for 10 years. We've been doing all that. Our cell group members have been praying. Our friends have been praying for us. The pastors here have been praying for me, for us. And at the eight week, we lost the baby. At the eight week, after all that, at the eight week, we lost the baby. I remember that week. There was a Saturday service that week. I was so discouraged, you know. But I was thinking in my mind, uh, should I come for Saturday service? I'm glad you all came here. Okay? But I was thinking in my mind, should I come for Saturday service? And I decided I will come. And I'm very sure, if I tell my bosses back then, uh, 
I, uh, can, I give, can you give me a break? I don't want to come for Saturday service. I really didn't feel like it. I'm sure they'll say, yes, please take a break. But somehow, I just came. I don't know why. I just, I just came. Okay? Somehow, I just decided to come for worship. And I remember I was seated that side. And, and I still remember Yuling was leading uh, the worship. And as I entered that worship time, I just, I just lifted my hands in surrender. I just lifted my hands and I just... You don't know what to do, you know. It's like you're disappointed, right? There's this disappointment with God inside. And He's preventing from worship, but you just do that. And as I did that, right, I begin, I begin to feel waves of His love. And then I begin to feel it so much that, 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 that tears begin to stream down my face. And I just, I can't explain it, you know. But when you're there in this, you're through that time and, and you're just lifting your hands and you feel that waves and waves of love. And I recall that in the middle of that worship, I felt an arm around me. So I was like, wow, got arm around me. So I opened my eyes and looked, wow, angel. No, actually it's not angel. Uh. Actually it was one of my colleagues who, who did that. <laughs> so and he stood with me. He stood with me in that moment of pain. So I want to encourage you. If you are going through your own journey of pain, where it is very difficult, don't cut yourself away from God. Don't cut yourself away from God. Don't cut yourself away from God or His people. Instead, confide in Him because He knows your pain. He understands. He sees it all. He knows. Now, the voice of self-pity will tell you to isolate. That's what the voice of self-pity. Now, the voice of self-pity comes from the devil. Okay? He will tell you to isolate. Don't talk to God. God doesn't understand. Don't talk to anyone. No one understands your situation. Just isolate yourself. Now, don't do that. It's very tempting to do that. But I'm saying to you, don't do that because you are cutting yourself away from the source of healing. I get it if you go through difficult times. You need some time out, right? You just need some time out. You need to pull away from the party. I get it. But in that time out, what do you do? When you're alone, what do you do? You play games, you know, you... I don't take out a new hobby. What do you do in that time? You need to connect with God. You need to go to Him and go to a trusted brother or sister and confide in them because it's through that that you begin to experience His healing. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There is a strong correlation between healing and confession. As you confess, as you share, as you pray for each other, the healing comes. There is that strong correlation. Now, I want to share with you that. Um, so that was one of the miscarriages. Now, there are two more that happened after that. So, so that two, okay, after, after that, that first miscarriage, two incidents after that, uh, we had the second miscarriage, we had the third miscarriage, and I and recall sharing this to a brother and to a sister. So as I was sharing this on two separate occasions to a brother and to a sister, they started to cry for me. Have you experienced that before? Where someone cries for you as you share with the person? I don't know, is it the way I share, the words I use? I was just sharing, lah, huh? but I, I wasn't crying. I was just sharing. I was, very, I was very sad. I was sharing with the person and, and then I saw tears in their eyes, you know. I saw that, that, that they were crying. And then they said to me, can I pray for you? I said, of course, pray for me. And as they prayed for me, they started to cry. And I tell you that, that as you go through your own journey of pain, take a step back and look around. Take a step back and look around because you can see God's love. 
And in and that day, I saw God's love in the tears of my friends. Their hearts broke for me. And I found comfort and healing in that. It was so, it just touches me. I don't know how to explain that to you, but if you experience it yourself, if someone has prayed for you with that, with that brotherly love, with that sisterly love, that that person pours out his emotions and cries over you. So my encouragement is this. Confide in God. Talk to Him. And confide in a brother, a trusted brother, a trusted sister. Don't isolate yourself. Share your heart. Okay, don't bottle it up and then begin the healing process. Okay, so what to do when God is silent? So the first thing is we seek His wisdom. Ask the Lord, is there something? Then we confide in God and His people because it's tough, it's difficult. We confide in God and His people. Now we go on to the third step, which is to believe in God and His goodness. Okay. John eleven twenty eight. After she has said this, she went. She referring to Martha. She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that Martha said, right? Same thing that Martha said. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see? The glory of God. So this is our third point. Belief in God and His goodness. Okay, so we see over here we see over here in verse 28 that Martha knew that she's through her encounter with Jesus, right? She had already met Jesus. She talked to Him and, and, and perhaps she felt that that was something that she needed to do. And she recognized that her sister was at home. Why was she at home? And so she went to her and told her, the teacher is here. Now, we, we don't read of anywhere where Jesus actually calls for Mary. So it could be on Martha's part. It could be that she recognizes that my sister needs to talk to God. She should not be isolating herself at home. She should be talking to God. So therefore, she went to her and says, the teacher is here and is asking for you. Now, we don't read this in any, anywhere, right? So, so we don't know, right? So it's just a guess. But when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And when she reached that place, um, she told the Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, the question is this, why was Mary at home? Why was Mary at home? Why was, was she not running to Jesus? Now, if you say that, okay, maybe because Mary had chores to do. Okay, because there were people who visited her. Um, I think that is more in line with Martha, 
right? Because we see earlier on that Mary has this gravitation towards Jesus, that she will go to Jesus, but Martha will be busy with the household chores, with the things that she needs to do. And over here, when Jesus appears, Martha is the one that runs to him, and Mary stays behind. Why did she stay behind? Now, Scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say. So we can only make an educated guess. But my guess is that Mary was overwhelmed with sadness and disappointment. That's my guess. Disappointment because Jesus had not come sooner. That is just my guess. Now, I'm making this guess because she fell at his feet in sadness. She was weeping at his feet. That shows her great sadness. But why I say that there could be a disappointment also was because of this sentence where she said, you see the last line? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the same opening line as what Martha said. Same opening line. But you know what? She didn't say anything else. And it's the didn't say anything else that's getting me to think this. Because Martha expressed hope. Martha said that, oh, but we know that if you ask anything from God, He'll give to you. And she went on to express hope. But nothing for Mary over here. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died full stop. That's it. Doesn't that remind you of Psalms 88, 18? Darkness is my closest friend. Full stop. No more expression of hope in the Lord. Nothing at all. Could it be that Mary had been so disappointed with Jesus that she didn't know what to do? to go to Him or to stay, and there's this turmoil in her. Could it be that some of us are experiencing that same thing? We derive the goodness of God often from uh, the good things that happen in our lives. So we can say, God is good when good things are happening in my life. The question is, can you say God is good when good things are not happening in your life. This reminds me of a wager. A wager between God and Satan regarding Job. Remember when Satan told God that, that this Job only praises you because of all the blessings you've given to him. Now take away the blessings and all the good things and he will curse you. That was the wager. Right? So Satan told God that. Take away all these good things and he will curse you. And God took the wager. He took the wager. Why? Why did God take the wager? Because he knew that Job's relationship with him was more than transactional. God is still good no matter what. God took that wager because he had a relationship with Job. And he trusted in that relationship that it was beyond the good things, that he and Job, God and Job, had a relationship, have a relationship. It was beyond the blessings. It was beyond all these things that he was getting because their relationship was real. It was not just transactional, that when good things happen, God is good. It's real. They really knew each other and he really knew the heart of God. The question still stands for us today. Is our relationship with God transactional? God is good only when things are good. 
Is our relationship with God today transactional? I believe Jesus waited to do this special miracle to this family because of his relationship with them. The Bible makes it clear that he has a relationship with them. And he was willing to risk it with them because they knew each other. Our relationship with God is going to be the thing that's going to bring us through these times, these difficult moments, these moments of silence, these moments of pain, of disappointment. Our relationship with God is going to be the thing that's going to bring us through these times of uncertainty. Can we still say, God is good? Not because of the things He's given to us. God is good because we know it. It's just in there. We know it. We have that relationship with Him. We know that He is good. And we hold on to that as our anchor. Now, here are two things that have helped me to anchor upon God during these times, uh, when, when, when during the storm. Right? These are two things that have helped me to anchor to God in the storm. So, number one, God is sovereign. Number two, God is love. So, let me explain. Number one, God is sovereign. In Psalms 139, it clearly explains to us that the Lord knows. The Lord knows. So, when you're going through that pain and that situation, and he seems to be quiet, remember, he sees everything. He knows everything that we do. He understands and he sees. So why? Why is it so? Why is it so? The Lord has also explained to us that his ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes we just don't know. We really don't know. We have no idea. But what we do know is in Romans 8, 28. We do know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. We know that God is always in control. Even when our world is collapsing around us, we can anchor upon Him because He is always in control. He's sovereign over all. He knows what is best. Trust Him. Just trust Him. Surrender to Him. Let Him work it out. Trust Him that you will be fine, that you will be okay, that He knows what is best. Just trust Him. First one, God is sovereign. The second one, God is love. Now, in this um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Because you see, Paul is praying that the Lord will remove a thorn from him, right? But the Lord doesn't. And so sometimes we recognize that his grace, there is that grace. There may, you may see that there is no, no answer in that situation. But if we take a step back, his grace comes through other means and other avenues. It comes through that. Even in Romans, Romans 8.32, it says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We have to see his love in the greater picture. We must see our present suffering in the light of Calvary. 
we must see our present suffering in the light of Calvary. Don't ever, ever allow our present suffering to overshadow the cross, to overshadow what Jesus did for us. Someone once said, if God never gave you anything else in your life, but He only gave you Calvary, would that be enough for you? You see, Calvary is the ultimate expression of His love that God died for us. He died for us. What more proof do we need that He loves us? There's no more proof that, that, that we need. Look to Calvary. We can never allow our present pain to overshadow the cross. We must always see our suffering and our pain in the light of the cross. The Lord loves us. He's close to the brokenhearted. We must experience this love. Now, Jesus then told Martha, right? He, he told Martha that I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Do you believe this? So Jesus is basically saying that if you believe in him, you will never die. Now, from then on, Jesus went on, to the next, uh, went on beyond this episode to go to the cross to pay for the sins of the world so that anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. This is his ultimate act of love to die in our place. How can we ever doubt his love? And so, at the mouth of the tomb, at the mouth of the tomb, Jesus told the people, remove the stone. And Martha said, there'll be a stench. And then Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Mary and Martha asked the Lord for healing. They never saw the healing. Instead, they said, if only you were here, God, if only you were here, they never saw the healing that they asked for. Instead, they saw a resurrection. You can't see a resurrection without first seeing a death. Jesus is saying, believe in Him, trust Him to work it out. Just trust Him. And the words He said to Martha, could He also be saying these words to you today? Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Trust Him. I'm going to end with a um, final story. Now, my wife and I had a long season. We, we, we were married for 14 years and uh, at a point of time back then and we had a failed season of, of trying on our own a failed season of IVF, a failed season T, uh, uh, TCM, followed by three miscarriages um, that happened in the span of a few years. And then finally, in 2018, in 2018, my wife was pregnant for the fourth time. And then in 2019, she gave birth to our son. So I thank God for that. But the story doesn't end here. So we said, hmm, Let's give our son a sibling. Let's try for number two. And so we tried. And so we did. And 
in the year 2020, last year, my wife got pregnant for the fifth time. However, in the middle of the night, at about 1 a.m., in the first trimester, on the night before our gynae visit, we lost our baby to miscarriage. And I recalled that night, feelings that I wish I never had to feel again. Things that I experienced for so many years before and I just remember that night, it just all came back, you know. I just wish I never had to feel those feelings again, that deep grief. And it was with deep grief that my wife and I did our own mini funeral that night, releasing our child to the Lord. Six months later, we continued trying. Six months later, my wife got pregnant again for the sixth time. And it was in our second visit to the gynae that we discovered that our baby's heart had stopped beating. We sent out prayer requests to our friends, our family, our loved ones, to my colleagues. We said, pray for a miracle. Please pray for a miracle. Pray for a resurrection. Please pray for a miracle. And two weeks passed, and we went to see the gynae again. That was our third visit. I would love to tell you that a miracle had happened, but that day, we lost our fifth child. That night, as I went home, I still remember that night. Now, every night, I would go to the Lord in prayer. And that night, I was just praying to the Lord as per normal. And I said, Dear God, and I couldn't continue. I said, Dear God, and immediately my mind was flooded with questions. God, are you even listening to me? Am I praying to a vacuum? Where are you, God? I couldn't continue. It was so difficult to pray and to trust. And I just paused there for a moment. But I didn't just remember the pain of all those years. I also remembered the assurance and the lessons that the Lord had taught me and all the time that He assured me of His love. And so, that night, my wife and I, we rested in His goodness, in His arms. We rested. In the days that followed, we received from family and friends words of comfort, gifts, meals, as I stood, took a step back and looked around, I saw that this is God's way, His grace, His avenues, where He sends His love to my wife and I to comfort us, to assure us. And so church, if you are going through a difficult time right now, would you go to Him? <laughs> 